Oftentimes, those people who portend to care the most about the impoverished in our community are the ones in many ways that are the most hostile to Bitcoin, which is, it's, it's wrong. It's just absolutely wrong. Hello there. How are you all doing? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And before we get into today's interview, I do have a quick message from my show sponsors. This show is brought to you by sportsbet.io, the very best place for online gaming because they're badasses and they accept Bitcoin. Now the football season started. It's been a strange start to the season. Tottenham started well, but obviously they fell apart. Typical Tottenham stuff and Liverpool are crushing it, but it's a bit tied up there. Other teams are doing very well. Now listen, with Sportsbet, you've got everything covered. Not only do they cover football, but they support tennis, motorsports, US sports. They even have esports. And for new customers, there is always a range of promotions available. If you want to find out more, then please head over to sportsbet.io, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T.io. Next up, we have Extras Wallet, who I am using as my mobile and desktop wallet for my Bitcoin. Now, as you know, UX is super important to me. So when the Extras team reached out to me, I spent some time playing with the app, and you know what, they crushed it. The experience is amazing, which is why I'm happy to recommend it to you, my friends, and my family. Now, the Exodus desktop gives you a way to secure and manage your Bitcoin in one beautiful application. And with their mobile wallet, you can send and receive safely using a QR code or address, knowing that Exodus automatically checks all addresses for errors. So make sure you check it out yourself at exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. Next up, it's Casa, the safest way to store your Bitcoin. Now listen, forgotten passwords, SIM swaps and phishing attacks, there are just too many ways for you to have your Bitcoin lost or stolen. But with Casa, you never have to worry about your Bitcoin again. Because with Casa's multi-sig wallet, you can take custody of your Bitcoin, but only move by signing transactions from multiple wallets. Ones that you get to distribute into different locations, which is going to protect you from a range of mistakes, errors and vulnerabilities. Now, if you want to find out more, you can reach out to me over email or drop me a DM on Twitter. I've been a customer for over a year and I'm happy to answer any of your questions. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Mayor Francis, hi. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. Welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Welcome to Miami. Hey, love it here. This is my third time. Pretty special weather, huh? I mean, coming from where I came from in England, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was freezing. I was there recently and it was brutal. Well, Scotland, you said you were in Scotland. Yeah, yeah it was a little, little higher, yeah. Yeah, well, listen. A little more north. This is overdue. You, uh, you've yes, done it your, is. You've done your practice run with uh, the number two Bitcoin show, <laughs> Mr. Pompliano. It's like good, good to get you on the top show. Well, at least he's in Miami, so, you know, I got to give him, you know, I got to give him some love. Yeah. He's my uh, guy. He's a, no, he's a good guy and uh, we're going to see him this week, aren't we? Awesome. So, listen, loads to talk to you about. Yes, yes, there is. Loads to talk to you about. We are a Bitcoin-only show. Amen. So when you talk about crypto, we're going to like pull weird faces at you. It's okay. I'll try not to talk <laughs> about crypto then. And also... There's a lot to talk about with Bitcoin, so there's really no need to... And football. You've got our guy, David Beckham, here. Isn't that great? Is he your buddy? He is a buddy. He's a great guy, a, a super humble guy, um, and just a really decent guy. He's actually really fought hard uh, to keep his team in Miami mm -hmm. and uh, they started uh, their practice facility in Fort Lauderdale and now we're in hopefully the final stages of doing a deal with them in Miami so it's going to be really cool. We want to get him on the show. You should. He's a hero of mine. He's a hero of mine too. He's a hero of a lot of people. Who's your, uh, do you have a Premier League team? 
Uh, you know, I you know his team was Manchester, so yeah. you know I kind of uh, I, I do I do follow Manchester, and I did follow England, you know, and sort of the World Cup as well. And part of, partly uh, when he was cheering for them and stuff, so it was a lot of fun. Well, Danny, Danny's a man. He's from Manchester. He was telling me before the show. Yeah, good stuff, brother. I'm a I'm a Liverpool fan. He was telling me one of the one of the uh, uh, MLS guys at at Inter Miami was a Manchester player before. Yeah, yeah, the one that you interviewed, I think. Uh, Kieran Gibbs, no, he was Arsenal. Oh, he was Arsenal. Yeah, he was My Arsenal. Bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've just bought a football team. Nice. Which one? Uh, Bedford FC. Bedford. Nice. Tiny, shitty team. Is that the one that's in the uh, in the show? <laughs> it will be, man. Wait <laughs> okay, and see. Good. Honestly, it's going to awesome. be the Bitcoin team. I love it. So I've got a feeling I'm uh, I'm sat here talking to a future president. You know, it's interesting. Uh, um, so few people have hit me so directly <laughs> with yeah. it like that. Yeah. But I, I will say this, and I have said this, uh, I think the country is ready for a new generation, mm -hmm. A. B, I think uh, that person is going to be someone that's conversant with Bitcoin and understands Bitcoin and understands the power of Bitcoin. So whether it's me or someone else, uh, I think it's going to have to be someone that fits that criteria. Uh, listen, I, I'm January 3rd going to be the president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors. So I'm going to be president of all the mayors in the country. Mm -hmm. And 85% of the population of America is in cities in this country, 91% of the GDP. So understanding how our cities work and function and getting them to work in a way that's conducive uh, to productivity, uh, to the future, is something that could lead to other opportunities in the future. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be pretty direct because I was. Well, I, I mean, that's your reputation. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. So, out of interest with that, if you did just one day, supposedly, you thought, sure. hmm, maybe I'll become president, I'll have a go. Is there like a certain number of steps you go? Do you have to go? Work in Congress. You have to go and be a senator first, or can you just go straight for it? So that's interesting. I think I think the the um, conventional wisdom, if you will, if you mm -hmm. look back at history, usually presidents come from a couple of different places. One is their governors, or their senators, by and large. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that anyone who runs for president has to fall into one of those categories. You had um, Pete Buttigieg, uh, famously who was the mayor of South Bend at the time, mm -hmm. did very, very well. He's now Secretary of Transportation. Um, so I, I think uh, Mayor Buttigieg and some other mayors have run, a lot of mayors have run in the past. Um, no one's really sort of broken that mayoral ceiling, if you will, uh, to run for president as mayor, not that I'm aware of. Um, but uh, I, I think we live in such a different world, such a disruptive world. And I think uh, with social media, uh, with 24-hour news a cable where you're constantly, you know, mayors have gotten a bigger platform, a national platform. With podcasts like this uh, that are being viewed by millions and millions of people. Uh, and, and I think Bitcoin, and generally speaking, is held by a lot more people than what people think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that uh, has been very, very um uh, evident to me in my tweets and in my social media is that there's this runway, right? There's this, uh, uh, you know, this, I call it a portal of positivity where, uh, you know, there's millions and millions of people in this country that uh, are very, very conversant in Bitcoin. And, uh, and I think that's something that America's starting to discover. It's kind of like a silent majority. Well, it's a very American idea, Bitcoin. It is. Very American idea. It is a very American idea. And it's, uh, you know, this country and the world has sort of gotten away from some of the ideas that made it successful. And what's interesting about Bitcoin is uh, several things. Obviously, one, the fact that it was anonymously created. I think that's sort of uh, 
unusual, mm-hmm. right? That no one said, hey, this is my creation. I want to take, you know, sort of author's responsibility. There's probably a lot of good reasons why the person did that or the group of people did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think the second thing is it, it is creating a solution where human beings have failed, right? And I think that for me is is an exciting and interesting reality, right? Which is that there are, uh, there are things in this society that can be disrupted uh, radically by uh, people who have redesigned the process, right? And sort of thought through the process in advance, which is what computer programming is, right? Like we're gonna set a, a, a set of protocols. They've made it transparent and open sourced so that people can see it, people can play with it, people can improve it if necessary, which is why I think Bitcoin has not succumbed to sort of the Napster or the MySpace, you know what I mean? In terms of being like sort of the first of its kind, uh, but then other things come and supplant it, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that it's open source and that there's a vast community of people that are that are able to reprogram it if necessary or adjust it or make adjustments if necessary, which really hasn't happened all that much, but um, it's there. And I think that uh, allows for flexibility, improvement, uh, variability. But the fact that, uh, it, a community of people have said, hey, we see this broken system, mm-hmm. right? The fiat system, it's broken. And it's broken because fundamentally human beings manipulate the system, right? I mean, they either governments overspend or central banks try to uh, manipulate the, the ebbs and flows of the economy. And, uh, and, and that concept has, has taken hold. So what's interesting is I, I see a, a generational, a bit of a generational divide. I don't know if you see it. I definitely see them. In terms of like my dad, who came to this country, he's an immigrant, came to this country at 12, really smart guy, a brilliant guy, I would say, um, a genius probably, um, written eight books, uh, you know, um, you know, summa cum laude, mechanical engineering, uh, two graduate degrees from Harvard. He is 72 years old. He, a mayor himself? He was a mayor. He was a mayor from 85 to 93. You know, he has started to understand it. But, but he had to really like wrestle with it. I mean, it wasn't intuitive. If you think about someone who was born in 1949, which mm-hmm. he was, you know, you're going from the gold standard, right? To a, a central backed based currency where, you know, it's backed by the quote unquote full faith and credit of the government, right? Of, of the United States in, the, in this case, in the case of the dollar. And then you're going to this other thing that in his mind, right, is very abstract. Right, like you know, and, and you you often hear from critics like, "Where's the value? What is the value?" Right, like, "What's the what fundamental? Is it backed by? What is it backed by?" And people don't realize it's backed by the most important thing. It's backed by the confidence of the people who use it, right? And 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 the fundamental value is is indisputable, right? You have perfect liquidity, right? You can get in and out of the position at any time, and you know you can't argue that it's anything less than what it is, right? Which in this particular case, in the, in, the, in the marketplace, and I don't know what today's value is. I haven't looked at it today, but it's- 60, 50, 57, okay, 57, right. So it's 57,000 times more valuable than a dollar, right? So, I mean, that's the marketplace's valuation. It has valued at 57,000 you know, percent more than a US dollar. And, you know, policymakers in this country have to understand that. You know, and I think people need to understand that the market is making decisions uh, and those decisions have consequences. And, uh, you know, there is something here that's extremely unique um, and it's revolutionary. And there's so many, you know, obviously more things that we can talk about there. Yeah, well, look, great intro, great start. (laughs) Lots of places I can go with this. Uh, But I I find it quite interesting that you 
honed in on a broken system. Uh, I think one of the things to help help me would be to understand what is the role of a mayor. Yeah. Uh, I understand the role of a senator. Sure. Uh, but I don't understand the the role of a mayor. Yeah. Where's your role, and and how do you work with the other components of government? So I think there's my view of it is there's two functions for any public official, not just a mayor. Uh-huh. I think function number one is you, and when you're a mayor, you're an executive, right? As opposed to a congressman or a senator who's a legislator, you know, mayors, governors, and presidents are executives. Congressmen, represent state representatives, councilmen, they're all legislators. So I think as a, an executive, your number one role is to is to run your organization well. Like a CEO's number one role is to run their government well or their, their, their corporation well. And so, you know, for us, like, you know, the fact that we have the second lowest tax rate since the 1960s, that the year before last we had the lowest homicide rate since 1954, that we have the second highest bond rating, uh, I'm sorry, we have the highest bond rating the city's ever had, which is the second highest bond rating that is available to cities. Those are how the city, you know, lowest uh, homeless rate since 2013. We're hopefully going to eradicate homelessness in our city. Those are the things that go to how the mayor, how an executive runs their company. But I think there's a second thing that uh, every executive needs to have, which is they need to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And leading is, you know, not everyone does it. And there has to be a secondary component, right? Which is how do you, how are you a role model or how are you uh, creating a vision for what the future needs to look like? And how are you positioning this organization and the people that you represent and that you really serve uh, to adapt themselves and be prepared for that future? And so I think, one of the things that makes me somewhat unique in this country is that I feel like I'm young enough to understand these new technologies and I'm mm-hmm. old enough to do something about it. And so there's sort of a an inflection point, right? This sort of critical uh, juncture where, uh, where it's hard. If you're a little too old, you may not co- completely get it. You may not totally understand. And if you're too young, you may not have the responsibility to do something about it. So it's an interesting moment. And, and you know, cities, we police... Are, you know the streets. We keep people safe in theory. Um, we 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 decide um, how clean, how many times to clean your garbage and pick up your garbage when you call nine one one and you need and you're having a medical emergency. We're the ones that respond and get you to the hospital safely. Um, that's it's an enormous responsibility. And in, in the COVID world, uh, mayors had a lot of responsibility, yeah, a ton of responsibility. So uh, I think that's another thing that elevated mayors for better or for worse um, in the national spotlight. And I was very blessed. Uh, I, I, I was in, it was interesting. I was the second person in Dade County to get COVID, uh, to actually test positive. I was the first elected really? official in the country. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, I believe, uh, I want to say March 12th, or was it March 12th, 2020? March 12th, 2020. And right before the NBA season, I think, got canceled. And uh, I think I did, uh, in a few months, you know, 300 interviews, uh, national interviews on all three major uh, national channels. And so I think the, in a weird way, the world got to know me through, you know, for, through getting COVID. Well, I mean, I got to know you through getting Bitcoin. We're well, talking about Bitcoin. Well, we're getting there. Yeah, I saw you on my Boy Pomp show. And uh, okay, so when you, you know, in terms of running the city, yeah. um, do you also have a separate budget? We have a budget. Yeah. We have a billion dollar budget. That's actually a billion two. And in terms of Bitcoin, you know, I, I think the Bitcoin initiatives really fall in bucket number two, not as much in bucket number one, although they, there is some bucket number one part of it. But the bucket number two part is 
preparing our citizens and leading into the future, mm -hmm. right? Creating this vision, like what what should our residents expect? What uh, you know? What does the brand of Miami mean, right? And how does the brand of Miami? I mean, we're here with XBTO, mm -hmm. sort of in the background. Obviously, Gemini being a sponsor of the show, they're all friends. And the, you know, I would probably wouldn't be friends with Tyler and Cameron if it wasn't for the fact that I became sort of the Bitcoin mayor of America, right? That I decided to take a leap of faith because I had studied the underpinnings of the technology and I realized the transformational nature of it and the ability to, to really democratize uh, investments in the world. And I went all in and people thought I was nuts. I mean- they were, What was your orange pilling moment? How did it come about? You know, I started uh, years ago uh, in the, I was on the Florida Blockchain Foundation. Okay. And I was named by the CFO of Florida on the Florida Blockchain Task Force. So in terms of blockchain technologies and Bitcoin technologies, I was sort of someone who had been following it years ago. And then uh, after the, I don't know if you've heard of the How Can I Help tweet, uh, December 4th of last yeah, year. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier, yeah. Yeah, where um, uh, Deli and Asparov from uh, Founders Fund put out a tweet that said, hey, what if we bring Silicon Valley to Miami? And I replied very innocently, how can I help? And that tweet went completely viral. Yep. And I realized that um, there was a counter narrative in America, which is that cities in America, by and large, were pushing innovators out. Mm -hmm. They were blaming innovators for everything that went wrong uh, in their city, whether it was homelessness or crime or, or, or gentrification, et cetera. And I just thought that was, I thought that was wrong. I thought it was anti-American. Mm -hmm. And from my perspective, I want people who are innovators. You know, I want people who are doers. I want people who are creators. And my country of origin, my, where my parents were born was Cuba. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is obviously communist. And I saw uh, very intimately the, the the dangers of a leader uh, in their leadership capacity saying, hey, I know how to fix all the problems of, of this community. Let's just, let me just, just give me all your property. Give me all your, uh, you know, your, 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 uh, your businesses and I will distribute them equally. Don't worry about it. Everybody will be equal. Everybody will be equally happy. But don't dissent. Oh, don't yeah, don't dissent, don't have a religion. Uh, and by the way, that equal thing, yeah, you're equal, but you're equally miserable. You're not equally happy, you're equally miserable. And that's the only equality that those governments have been able to deliver uh, throughout the history of humanity. I, I call it, you know, the, the the biggest fraud perpetuated on humanity. The, the biggest atrocity, of course, was the, the Holocaust, but the biggest fraud perpetuated on humanity is communism. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're shaped by that here in Miami. And so we are entrepreneurial, we're innovative. And we saw this, you know, had this counter, you know, um, narrative opportunity. And then I just drove a bus through it. I mean, you know, 800 tweets in the month of December. I got 27 million impressions. And I realized every time I talked about Bitcoin, my analytics would go off the charts. I mean, just crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I started like, you know, I, you know, meeting people in, in, in the community. And we started having fun with it, you know, sort of challenging each other and, and doing some exciting things. And one of the things that we did was, and I think it was Pomp. Mm -hmm. I put it out there. Uh, Fuck you know, that guy. <laughs> he said something like, I wonder what will be the first, you know, government to put the Satoshi white paper on the website. You did it. That's right. Yeah. And so we you did didn't that. get sued? We did not get sued. Craig Wright didn't come after you. No, 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 no. So far, so good. Please don't jinx me. Uh, you know he's in court here in today in Miami. Oh, is he really? Yeah, it's meant to be verdict day. Oh God. Yeah. So um no, so far so good. Um, not not looking forward to that day, but uh, so we did that. Then we did. And then I said, you know what? Let's up the ante a little bit. You know what I mean? Let's have some, let's have some real fun with this, okay. right? So we decided. I put a resolution on my commission to allow my employees to get paid in Bitcoin, 
to allow my residents to pay for fees and taxes in Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and then to explore the possibility of holding Bitcoin as an asset on our balance sheet. And so I got that through my commission, which was a bit of a surprise because my commissioners, who frankly have been very good, um, and they have been very trusting with me. They were like, okay, like you, you go do this, you know? We'll, we'll, we'll sort of back you up. And most of them did. I think I was a four to one vote. Um, and when I put out the video that said, hey, this is what we've done. I mean, it went bonkers, mm -hmm. like bonkers. And it just, it just highlighted to me that this is not just a small community of people that are loud and evangelistic. This is a very deep rooted tens, if not hundreds of millions of people that are involved. And I've talked to a lot of the exchanges, obviously the Winklevoss twins who've become friends, Brian Armstrong, who's become a friend. And, you know, they've, con they've confided in me some of, you know, the number of accounts and stuff like, I mean, this is, I mean, this is big, mm -hmm. big stuff. And I think part of the reason why people talk about me running for president or me being president is because people like you know how deep this is and how the impact of it and what it can do socially, right? For Central America, South America, you know, Africa, which I think are the countries right now that are ripe for, uh, you know, massive Bitcoin adoption. And I, I believe, and I've said this, this is only the second time I say this. So uh, first time I said it was not in a forum as, as large as this. Okay. Which is, I believe that Bitcoin has the ability to peacefully eradicate communism on the planet. Before we carry on with the interview, I do have a quick message from my show sponsors. This show is brought to you by Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin. And I have been a Ledger customer since way back in early 2017. And the Nano S I bought back then, yep, I'm still using that bad boy now. Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And you can even connect your Nano S to your Android phone to manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up today, we have Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm only buying. I have not sold a single sat through Gemini because we are in a bull market. And you know what? I just don't want to sell my Bitcoin. I'm a hodler. You're a hodler, right? Now, I have been using the Gemini app for buying the dips, but I also set up a DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin, and I'm yet to see a better or easier interface for buying Bitcoin. With a streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing, all through one clear, attractive interface. And Gemini are now running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. All you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. If you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD. That is G-E-M-I-N-I dot com forward slash WBD. Next up, we have Compass Mining. And you know what? They are not just a sponsor. I am also a customer of theirs, and I am now mining Bitcoin. And you know what? I've been mining for three months now. I've already paid off one of my S19s, and I'm close to paying off the second one. It is so good to be back mining. And you know what? I just really love these guys. Compass makes mining accessible to everyone. And as a Bitcoiner, I'm happy to be supporting the decentralized growth of the hash rate. It was so easy to get onboarded, and now anyone can mine Bitcoin with Compass. You just pick your machines, choose your hosting facility, and they will do everything else for you. If you want to find out more, please head over to compassmining.io, which is C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G.io. Next up is BlockFi, and you can now earn a $250 bonus in Bitcoin when you sign up with BlockFi, as they have recently launched their BlockFi Rewards Visa signature card. 
Now, for people in the US who own or are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats, the BlockFi Rewards credit card is the easiest way for you to earn Bitcoin because you get 1.5% back in Bitcoin on every card purchase and there is no annual fee. It is the smartest way to stack sats with Bitcoin rewards on every purchase. You can also earn 2% in Bitcoin on every purchase over $50,000 of annual spend and you can also get 3.5% back in Bitcoin during your first three months of card ownership. But please do make sure you check out the terms for this. Now, if you're interested in finding out more, then please head over to blockfi.com forward slash Peter, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com forward slash P-E-T-E-R. Well, I interviewed Nick Carter yesterday. I don't know if you know Nick, but he's here as well. And he wrote an article about Bitcoin called A Most Peaceful Re- Revolution. Um, and I, I think why people probably latch onto someone like yourself, we've, we've seen so much irresponsible fiscal policy and monetary policy. It's crazy. You know, levels of, like globally, the levels of debt are, are unsustainable. No um, doubt. And then we see you know, politicians such as Elizabeth Warren going very anti-Bitcoin, not understanding. Totally, totally has it backwards. Yeah. Uh, Hillary Clinton now opining on this and great tweet the other day from my friend Jessica who said uh, she can't work her emails but she knows everything about cryptocurrency. <laughs> and then we see someone like you come along and you spend the time yeah. understanding it. You spend the time embracing it. You go down the rabbit hole and you understand exactly what it is. You know, and at this time of high inflation, like very scary inflation, but it's really changing, affecting people's lives. You know, you are part of the team that's considering this alternative. Yep. And I think that's why people are getting behind you because they're bored of the old guard, you know, 78 year old presidents who really don't understand what's going on in the world. It's a bit why, why people like Bukele. I mean, you know, a politician who couldn't be questioned, but at the same time, it's somebody who is understanding of younger people. You know, understanding that because I mean, really, pop, yeah, the old guys are retiring, right? But you know, the thing is about people like Elizabeth Warren and, and Hillary Clinton is that in, in the Democratic Party generally, and I don't want to make this about party because this yep. should not be a partisan thing, right? We agree. To me, this is not about party. It's not about the letter next to our name. I think people obsess over that and, and they make it about that and that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just say this. Oftentimes those people who, um, who, who portend to care the most about the impoverished in our community are the ones in many ways that are the most hostile to Bitcoin, which is absolutely counter, it's, it's wrong. It's just absolutely wrong. What Bitcoin has done or what it does is a few things. One, and probably most importantly, is it creates a, a system of exchange, right? Where uh, people are not subjected to the wild inflation and wild devaluation of currencies through oftentimes corrupt actors. Right, so I think that's that's one of the biggest things. That's that's why you're seeing it in Central America. That's why you're seeing it in South America and in Africa. And I think that has an incredible power to liberate people and democratize their their choices. I think you know the the second part of it is sort of this uh, idea that um, people should have a right to get a return. Right, we've created a, a system, a financial system, where unless you're wealthy, you can't risk capital. Mm-hmm. Unless you're wealthy, you can't make money. So then we then we complain that there's a tremendous amount of income inequality, which of course there is, right? And so then the question is, well, how are you supposed to make money if you you put your money in a bank account, you get zero interest, and oh by the way, 
the money that you had today is worth, you know, five, 10, 15, 20% less than what it was a year ago. So it is an impossible, it's impossibility that somebody is not only not going to make a return, they're actually losing money yeah. by having their money in a bank account. And so, I mean, this is simple economics. I mean, this is not like, we're not talking about derivatives. We're not talking about complicated things. So I, I, I don't know why it's hard for people to understand. It should not be partisan. It should not be about Elizabeth Warren or Hillary Clinton or anybody on the Republican side. Um, it really should be more about understanding the fundamentals, understanding why. Why has a computer program been so successful at substituting a, a human-run program? I think that's something that fundamentally we need to look at. And I'm going to tell you this now. Where human conditions are broken, computers and computer programs will fill the void. And it's going to happen in our generation looking forward. And it's going to happen in municipal governments. It's going to happen in different places. And I, I, I'm, I'm seeing that disruption mm. as clearly as I see you right in front of me. Well, it's it's backed by math and truth. Exactly. Which is uh, And super it's objective. Important. Yeah. But the, the partisan issue is, is an interesting one uh, as a point you make because it's definitely been picked up by uh, politicians who seem to be more on the right. Not not entirely, not exclusively. Uh, I was going to read you something my, um, my friend Parker Lewis wrote because this is a great tweet. He put, liberals are going to love Bitcoin when they figure out what it can do for lower income families, but Democrats will hate it. Conservatives will love Bitcoin when they figure out what it can do for the budget deficit, but Republicans will hate it. So it seems to be a thing that, like, we understand that Bitcoin isn't a partisan issue. We right. understand it can benefit everybody, but it seems to be, it seems to hold some kind of existential threat to politicians, or they feel like it does. Well, the problem is that um, everything does right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> everything is, is, we live in such a divided world. And I think that's the other the reason why, you know, people sort of gravitate towards me in the sense that. You know, I was blessed to, to be elected in a city that is uh, majority um, Democrat. I'm a Republican, so mm -hmm. again, not to obsess over the, the letter, but I was elected by 85%. So I was elected by, uh, you know, and reelected by close to 80%. So I was elected and reelected by a vast swath of the people in my city because I try to focus on how to better their quality of life. I try to focus on their lives and what are the things that I can do as a leader to make their lives better as opposed to this crazy prism where everything is so divisive, so antagonistic. Um, and and, and there's a, a point that you sort of touched on that I wanna go a little deeper in because I don't think people totally understand, which is the, the wide adoption of Bitcoin will create fiscal discipline in governments. And yes. I, I'm not sure people have completely understood that, but the, the thing is here now, because governments control their own currency, they can print money essentially, right? And so, and they can borrow money in whatever ways they want and, and they can set interest rates. Uh, when they go to a currency that they don't control, they don't have that leisure, right? They can't just print more money that's not in the toolbox, yep. right? They can't, uh, they actually have to balance. So we we in our city, we actually balance our budget. I know it's a really crazy concept in what? government. I know, it's crazy. What? No, no, it's crazy, Dude. right? We actually, no, this is actually even crazier. Yeah. We actually have a surplus. What? We have $160 million in the piggy bank. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So, did, did you inherit a balance book? Well, understand that I've been a, a councilman and mayor okay. for 12 years. So actually, what I inherited when I got here uh, in November of 2009 was a broken government. Um, we had just had the financial meltdown, right? Mm -hmm. Market meltdown, the real estate bubble burst. And we had for the first time ever a 20 
uh, percent budget deficit. So we had a, what, what you call a do nothing deficit. Like if you did nothing, this is what your deficit would be of $115 million on a $600 million budget. So we had to cut 20% of our budget in one year. Mm-hmm. So when I, I see these governments say, oh, well, you can't cut, you know, it's impossible to cut. We cut 20% in one year and it was painful. It was very painful, uh, but we had to cut. We didn't let go of one person, but we had to cut salaries dramatically. We had to cut pension benefits dramatically. We obviously would have liked to have not had to do it, but we didn't have a choice. You know, we had to tighten our belt and we saved the city. And then we built up its reserves over time, you know, by making good investment decisions. And, um, and you know, now we're in a very, very good place. We have, the second highest, we have the second highest bond rating available, but the highest bond rating the city has ever had, which is AA+. Why do you think the federal government struggle so much then to balance the books? Is there no will? Because no, they've used it as a way to manipulate. This is the reason why Bitcoin is successful. Uh-huh. They've used it as a tool. Right, they use it as a tool. They realize that you're just playing with the money supply. And so when you play with the money supply, certain things happen. And you have to understand that the dollar is also a, and this is where the US will really have to figure things out because the dollar is an instrument of public policy yeah. throughout the world. Uh, that doesn't mean that the US can't hold Bitcoin and can't use Bitcoin as an instrument of public policy, you know, because it's resources at the end of the day. And, the, and, and this country has a tremendous amount of resources. And part of our ability to be influential in the world is to use those resources in an appropriate manner. Uh, to make sure that we can protect our citizens and that we create prosperity across the world, in part so that people aren't, you know, flooding us uh, uh, all the time. But uh, but yeah, it's going to create a lot more fiscal discipline because governments like the United States and others are not going to just be able to print their way out of financial problems. And so, um, I, you know, there have been talk about balanced budget amendments. I think that's something that's worth looking at very seriously in the federal level, unless there's like a war, unless there's some emergency declaration. Mm-hmm. The federal government should be required to balance its budget, just like we're required to balance our budget, just like in your home. You know, you can't not balance your budget. Nope. I mean, it's, it doesn't work that way. Otherwise, you're going to be on the streets real soon. Yeah, and you know what? When we have 6.2% inflation, it's not just debasing everyone in here's savings and salaries, it's debasing your budget. No doubt. But I mean, who thinks that it's actually 6.2%? Uh, nobody does. Right. You know, that's the lowest they can give you. We sure. know it's probably 10, 15%. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't count real estate inflation. There's a lot of things that, that you know, that aren't counted. And so, um, yeah, nobody really believes it's 6%, but it's, it's shocking. I mean, that's a shockingly high number, even in terms of the CPI. Right, so uh, it, it's 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 really um, sad in a way, but in another way, it's a huge opportunity. And I think um, we're in a critical moment. China has done has given us a huge favor, yeah, by banning mining and buying, banning Bitcoin. What a mistake that will turn in, out to be. Well, it, it's understandable because they're a communist, mm-hmm. central controlled, you know, government. And so, what's interesting about about the U.S. is we struggle with something like a virus because we're a democracy. Everybody has an opinion. Right, like <laughs> China's an autocracy, right? They just tell you you got to stay home, you got to do this. There's no debating about any of these things. Uh, but but N- New York might disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Well, that's why they're all here. They're all coming. I know here. they have yeah. all come here. It's amazing. But uh, we, we've definitely benefited from this moment. But I think um, uh, you, you know here uh, in this country uh, we have an enormous opportunity to. Um, you know, to, to get a larger market share of the Bitcoin mining, um, which I'm a huge proponent of. Uh, I think what uh, people don't understand, they've made a big issue of the ESG, which is a totally bogus issue. Uh, but, but, but I will say this, American mining companies, almost 
I don't think I've ever met one that doesn't have, that's not completely carbon neutral. They're very ESG conscious. Um, and even, to, you know, the biggest ones uh, that, I've, that I've been to. But the, the other thing that's really interesting is, I don't know if you've ever seen or been to a place called Marble, North Carolina. No, I haven't. I've been, uh, I, don't expect, I don't expect you to be. I've been to Raleigh. Is that South Carolina? It, it is. I think Raleigh is North, North Carolina. North Carolina as well. I've been to Raleigh. But, but, and, yeah. but Raleigh is a bigger city. Okay. So the, the reason why I say Marble, and I'm not going to say what my, I know they're going to hear this and they're going to call me. Well, you should have said her name. One of the biggest mining companies, not the biggest mining company in the country, has a facility in, in Marble, North Carolina. And the reason why I say that is because it used to be a Levi's manufacturing facility. Okay. So follow me. So... Those jobs that were in that facility left overseas, right, to China that could do it cheaper, right? And what happened? That city went from a population of thousands to a population of 400, right? It was decimated by the loss of manufacturing jobs. What's happening now? Now they have a, you know, multi-megawatt of, of mining facility there, which is incredible when I've seen it in person. And they're bringing those jobs back to rural America. So, you know, there's this thought that Bitcoin is something that will just help, you know, sort of the elite or people in the urban areas. And this is delivering jobs, what I call a technological industrial revolution mm. in the United States, which can create a lot of prosperity, not just in the urban areas, but also in the rural areas. And people don't know that because Bitcoin mining is so mysterious. You mm. know, it's like... Bitcoin mining and it's so bad and this, that, and the other. And it's actually not bad. It doesn't consume as much electricity as people like it to, to, to you know, make it seem like. And, it, and, and in the U.S. in particular, because remember, before China banned mining, you know, 60 or 70% of the market share, it was in Russia and China, right? So you had their coal producing, coal burning uh, countries. So obviously that's where the ESG issues came from. You have countries that are using dirty energy um, that are mining uh, by and large, but that's changing almost overnight thanks to China's actions. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's a bit more than that. I was um, in Texas recently uh, with Governor Abbott and talking to him about, he, you know, he's like yourself. He understands Bitcoin to an extent. He wants to support the Bitcoin industry, but he wants to bring miners into uh, into Texas, uh, into Austin, not only because it brings jobs, but actually also it has this kind of like new magical property of helping stabilize the grid, oh, which yeah. is this whole new weird thing about Bitcoin, which people are trying to get their head around. Well, they don't understand that what they, the miners do oftentimes is they'll, they'll go to power companies and they'll look at what is their excess... Uh, believe it or not, there, uh, there's a lot of things about power people don't know. First of all, there's mm -hmm. a lot of wasted power, a ton of wasted power. Um, in fact, I would say 30 or 40% of generated power is wasted. So that's that's one factor. And then so they'll go there and they'll say, hey, look, you know, why are you wasting this? You know, let us sort of harness this. Let us use it. And then, you know, they do it in, in with a thought process of, of either being completely clean in terms of how they're getting it or offsetting, you know, whatever is not particularly clean that they're getting. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit, bit about energy and the energy mix. It's something that's you know, discussed quite a bit. And I also want to talk a little bit about uh, climate change issues because I know it sure. affects Miami. We'll come to that secondly. Sure. But what's the energy mix like here in Miami? Where do you draw your energy from? So it's predominantly nuclear. Okay. And then um, our, our energy company, which is Florida Power and Light, they're very innovative. And, you know, a few years ago, to their credit, they sort of got into it with the solar industry or the solar companies or people who wanted a rooftop solar. And so rather than, I mean, they fought it a little bit, right? Um, and so it's, which is understandable. 
And, but then what they did was interesting. They pivoted. You know, we live in a disruptive world. And so you have two choices. You can pivot, you know, and sort of try to get, you know, beyond the disruption and get ahead of the disruption, or you can wither away and die basically, right? And so what they did was they pivoted and they became the largest purveyor of solar in the country. And so we have solar power and we have nuclear power. Both are relative, you know, I mean, nuclear is clean, which obviously you have to do something with the nuclear waste, but it's a, it's clean generation. Um, it doesn't have any carbon emission, which is what, what creates uh, obviously the, you know, climatic issues. And so, uh, you know, we have the possibility of being a Bitcoin mining hub as well. And that's something that I've been focused a lot on, mm-hmm. um, trying to create those connections. We had our first big breakthrough with uh, the city of Homestead, which is a city close to Miami, uh, in the in the county that we that we reside in, which has done a partnership with a local um, entrepreneur who is uh, taking their excess energy as well, and and is doing a Bitcoin mining facility, a ten megawatt facility. So I, I mean, there's. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit. You can go around the state and, and look at those kinds of opportunities and, and create public-private partnerships uh, to take excess power and, and put it to good use. Why do you think there's been this kind of, I don't know how to put it, this kind of reversal against nuclear in, in some places? I know across parts of Europe they've been decommissioned in nuclear facilities and not replacing them. And, and we know in certain places where they're decommissioning, they're having issues with blackouts. Why do you think that issue exists? You know, I, I think nuclear, it's had its uh, moments, certainly when the technology was new, um, was probably the height of it. Uh, then it went through uh, some time with, with some of the incidents like Chernobyl and yeah, others where Fukushima. people yeah, were, 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 were afraid of what could happen. Um, obviously, uh, they become targets, you know, or potential targets. But uh, I think it's it's seeing a renaissance, in my opinion. I actually see it sort of a little bit the opposite. I think it's seeing a renaissance in, in nuclear. I think people understand that it's extremely uh, clean, and certainly by comparison to coal, it's it's almost unlimited. Um, and of course, you have to do something with the nuclear material with the waste. But um, if the plants are are if you actually invest, which is sort of the opposite, if you actually invest and you allow the nuclear power companies to stay state of the art, um, it can be done extremely safely. Um, you know, what's interesting about Miami, to your point, sort of the point number two about climate change yeah, here, let's talk about that. is, you know, we have essentially three climatic phenomena that we deal with. One of them is obviously hurricanes, mm-hmm. um, which come seasonally from August to, I think, October, more or less. Um, then you have what we call um, dry day flooding, believe it or not, which is we have a poor subsoil, which is limestone. So the water actually pools up. Uh, based on the tides and based on the the, the moon, basically. Um, and they call it a king tide. And so the, the the water actually comes up from underneath and pools in certain areas of the city. And then and then you have rain bombs, right? Like what they what they you know they call them rain bombs because they're more um, intense and uh, in terms of duration and and and, and amount of water uh, than usual, right? And 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 that's one of the ones that really has creates flooding around the city. Uh, but we have not buried our head in the sand and said like, hey, these things don't exist or we're going to deny that this is happening or whatever. Like we, we've we actually done something very unusual. Um, we have actually voted, our residents voted, to tax ourselves, which is not something that we like to do, right? Mm-hmm. To the tune of $400 million, $200 million for climatic resiliency projects uh, to adapt to these kinds of, uh, of climatic events. What people don't realize about Miami, and this is probably going to shock you, is that Miami has actually suffered less hurricane damage in the last 10 years than New York City. 
I, I, you know, I would not have guessed that at all. Yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah, because yeah, of Sandy. So we're just a lot more. We're just much more resilient. You know, like we can we can experience more storms and not have as much damage because we're more prepared. I guess is a better way of saying it. But was it just that Sandy was one freak event for yeah, New York? It, it, Sandy was a big event, yeah. right? And so and so, you know, New York certainly wasn't prepared for it. But I mean, if you just take that snapshot mm. and you say to yourself, you know, let's say it's a Jeopardy question, right? You yeah. Know, would you? Would you? Get the right answer, right? Most people wouldn't. I no. think. Yeah. Okay, so there are a lot of people, and it definitely exists within the Bitcoin community of people who are uh, not just skeptical of policy with regards to dealing with climate change, but actually reject the idea that there is human caused climate change, especially within my community. Sure. I'm not one of those. Yeah, 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 I've been yelled at for sure. for being somebody who said there is climate change. Like, what kind of message would you give to people like that? I think the message is is twofold. One is, or threefold. One is, look, let's first deal with what we're seeing. And mm. we're definitely seeing things, I mean, they're they're tangible. This is not speculation. I mean, I just gave you three mm. events that we see on a regular basis. So let's deal with that. So from an adaptation perspective, let's deal with that. From a mitigation perspective, which is essentially implementing policies that reduce carbon emission. To me, we have a model here in Miami where we say the environment is the economy. Right? There's this notion that you have to pick one or the other. It's either do something that's good for the environment, but is shitty for the economy, or do something that's good for the economy, but shitty for the environment. And I think we try to marry the two things, and you're starting to see it anyways with electric vehicles and you know rooftop solar and all the different technologies that are becoming ubiquitous. So it's kind of already happening in our generation. Uh, and then I think the third thing is, look, we... As human beings, we have an obligation, I think a common obligation, right? And I have two kids, I have a seven-year-old and a three-year-old, and I wanna make sure that my kids get to experience the world that I got to experience, right? I don't want them to like, there to be animals that are extinct that I got to see that they didn't get to see, mm -hmm. you know, fish, you know, et cetera. And so I think we all have a common obligation to do what we can, right, within our power, individual power, to to basically be good stewards of the earth. I mean, it's 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 that simple. And I don't think that there's a sort of an economic problem with that. I think I think it's on the contrary. I actually think that look in life, you know, sometimes it's actually good to sacrifice a little bit. <laughs> you know, not get everything that you want all the time, and uh, and do things that are healthy for the greater good versus you individually. Yeah, I got to ask you about Miami Coin. Go for it. Tell me about it. Tell sure. me what's the deal with it. Sure. So the deal is this. The deal is, um, it's a it's a Bitcoin backed, a coin, right? So, as you know about Bitcoin, it's the most decentralized, most stable, most unhackable uh, system. But it is a is a blockchain that was built exclusively for Bitcoin transactions, essentially exclusively for Bitcoin transactions. So what what Miami Coin is is a derivative of that chain. So a variety of developers, Princeton grads, uh, created a, a blockchain called Stacks, mm -hmm. and Stacks hashes. Yeah, Munib yeah. And, and, and others. And they, it basically hashes onto the Bitcoin blockchain. And so what, what they basically said, their thesis was, look, let's create a coin on Stacks, which hashes, hashes onto the Bitcoin blockchain, and that the mining revenue of that coin, a portion of it, right, in this case, 30% of the, of, of sort of the, of the, of the benefit, if you will, mm -hmm. gets put in a digital wallet for the cities. So... It's a it's a little bit different than Bitcoin in the sense that Bitcoin the entire economic incentive is for the miner, right? The miner mm -hmm. who mines it gets one hundred percent of the mining revenue, and that's great. Um, in the case of Miami Coin, the miners get seventy percent of the revenue, the city gets thirty percent of the revenue in a digital wallet. So, 
you know, we thought at the beginning of this, we're like, well, maybe this thing will do $3 million in a year. Maybe it'll do $5 million in a year. Who knows, right? We're, I think, three months in and it's raised $30 million. Wow. $30 million. So what we're going to do with it is we're going to do two things, which I think are super fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear your perspective on this. One is we're going to take a piece of it in fiat, and I'll tell you why. We're going to take about $5 million in fiat. And the only reason why we're going to do that is because we want to prove to our residents that it actually exists. Right? Yeah. This is not like some fucking- It's some real money. Yeah, yeah it's not like a virtual thing that is like in somebody's imagination or on some like Twitter account. And it's not real. So we're going to do that just as a, as a viability threshold. The remaining $25 million, we're going to stake it. And the staking yield is going to be Bitcoin. Okay. Which of course is, you know, as we know, the most reliable, the most dependable uh, of all the cryptocurrencies. So what we're doing is we're going to, um, I, I think what we're going to finally end up doing is we're going to say to to all registered voters in Miami, and this is an incentive for people to register to vote in Miami. So pay attention, guys. Yeah. Um, we're going to give them a Bitcoin wallet. We're going to give them a digital wallet. And we're going to give them a quarterly Bitcoin dividend. Okay. So every single Miami is going to get Bitcoin in their digital wallet on a quarterly basis. So think about a city in America or think about a city anywhere really in the country where you're a resident, your government has innovated and the byproduct of that innovation is Bitcoin for you. Um, I think it's fascinating. I don't think it's happened anywhere in the world, uh, maybe in some like oil producing countries, stuff like that, where they would give like an oil dividend. Um, but it's, an, it's a fascinating concept and uh, it's gonna empower people. It's going to educate people. Um, and we're getting some very, very big exchanges that are excited about this project in creating the digital wallets, obviously for their own, in part for their own uh, uh, self-interest. And by the way, Tyler and Cameron, we, we can talk too. Yeah. What's the population here of Miami? So our population is about, depending on the census, if you believe the census, it's somewhere in the 600,000 range. Okay. Um, we have 200,000 registered voters. The reason why it's important to do this as registered voters is because you need to verify. Like yeah. anybody could say, I'm a Miami resident. People think Miami is a place that punches above its weight. So, you know, people who live in, in other in unincorporated areas of the county think they live in Miami, but they really live in Kendall or they live in, you know, North Dade or whatever. So, you know, we, it, there has to be an authentication method for the people who are receiving it. Yeah. And, 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 and a, you know, you know, a place that we can verify. So as you know, like the Bitcoin community can be quite savage. Yeah, it's okay. They can be quite savage. And I, I'm not going to debate the technicals behind stacks sure. and Miami coin. Because sure, sure. uh, we don't need to do that today. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that Bitcoin gets into the wallets of everyone in the city, for a city that is pro-Bitcoin, with a mayor that is pro-Bitcoin, that is cool. It's amazing. You know, we've seen it out in El Salvador where President yep. Bukele is trying to get Bitcoin in people's hands so they understand it. Look, some will get rid of it straight away, some will hold sure. on to it. Um, what's, what's the response been from your constituents, the, the people who aren't Bitcoiners? Like, are they saying, what are you doing? No, oh, this it's, is amazing. it's the opposite. It's, it, first of all, here's the thing, and this is the biggest surprise. I'll go to restaurants. I, I literally was at a restaurant for lunch before, before we met. And the waitress at the West restaurant is, uh, she's an investor, right? And she, so she knows about Bitcoin, holds Bitcoin, et cetera. I've had people that are uh, servers, uh, hostesses, uh, you know, janitors that have thanked me for what I'm doing in the crypto space. So uh, that's that's why I keep telling you that, you know, all my experiences, whether they be on Twitter or whether they be in real life, mm -hmm. lead me to believe that the number of people that know about Bitcoin, have invested in Bitcoin, or are thinking about investing in Bitcoin, or are influenced by Bitcoin, 
is massive. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about massive, like way, 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 way bigger than what most people think, like way bigger. Like I'm talking about, you know, orders of magnitude bigger. And so what they, they're just thrilled because what they see is not just, listen, they don't just see that one initiative, right? What they see is XBTO, mm-hmm. right? Naming the team uh, Inter Miami. They see, uh, you know, FTX spending two hundred million dollars on on, on the arena. They see, uh, you know, exchanges like eToro and Blockchain.com moving and creating jobs in the city. So they see this uh, ecosystem growing. And they realize that it's not only going to benefit them as individuals, but it's going to benefit their kids. And it's going to benefit their, their unborn grandkids. So there's a tri-generational, from my, in my estimation, there's a tri-generational impact on, on, on these technologies. And, and people are excited. Look, you know, there, there's this notion that in politics, you, you just have to spew hate and negativity to get ahead. And I, I totally do not subscribe to that. I think, I think vision, positivity always wins. The problem is there's usually an absence of that. Well, listen, when you get to those presidential debates, I'm going to be watching you closely. <laughs> no is it, problem. Like, is he criticizing them? Is he talking policy? I'm going to be focusing on the positive stuff, trust me. So that is, is that a uh, admission you're going for it then? Well, we'll see. Yeah, I think so. Listen. Uh, <laughs> is that a Freudian slip there? Is that a, yeah, we're not going to cut that, Danny. Uh, uh, so have, uh, we're nearly done. Uh, in terms of um, the population, uh, have you seen a massive increase in people coming in here? Like you say this, like two hundred, yeah. 600,000 people, was it like 500,000 a year ago? Or? So the, the only statistic that I've seen that has any sort of um, meaning is the number of people coming to Florida. It's like 1,500 a day. Wow. A day. A day. A day. So I, I think a significant amount of those people are coming to Miami. Um, it, it's hard to tell. In, in For whatever reason, we always, under, in my opinion, always undercount uh, in, in our censuses. I, I think we're just doing too much fun stuff and we don't have time to fill out the form. Uh, so I think that's what ends up happening. We try our, our best to get it up there, but we're always laggers in terms of what what our response rate is versus what, you know, dwelling units and the number of people that we have. So I, I often think we're, we're underreported by 20, maybe 25%. Um, okay. So in terms of this massive increase in people. Yep. Has that put a strain on the infrastructure? Is that where your budgets now have to go? Do they things you have to think about? Now? No, it's actually the opposite. And I'll, really? and I'll tell you, so this is where sort of my, my, my national platform comes in with this, sort of this agenda for America, which mm-hmm. is, you know, what we've done is we've created the conditions for prosperity. So we've actually reduced taxes, our tax rate. We don't have a state income tax. So if you're in New York, if you're in California, you're already paying an extra 14% in an area that's probably... 2x more expensive. So your your cost of differential, you know, cost of living differential is 2x and your income taxes is 14% or whatever. So that's a huge advantage for America. But where are they blowing the money then? Because you could, I mean, you could argue oh. in places like, especially if you look up to San Francisco, which I know there has been a leak of people down to here. Oh, massive. They have massive crime issues, massive yeah. homeless issues, and they're taxing a wealthy population. 100%. Higher than anywhere else in the country. And people are furious because the way they look at it is, look, I'll pay the taxes, but give me a return on investment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And so they don't feel like they're getting that. And it's worse than that. Because then what the government's doing is they're turning around and they're saying, you, Elon Musk, F you. I know. You know How bad was that? What crazy. I mean, it's insane. And so, you know, had we been in this Miami moment a little earlier, I'm convinced that Elon would have been a Miami resident, but uh, holding out hope. Damn. Well, you can get more of the Bitcoin companies down here. We will. It's essentially you, Texas, and Wyoming competing, but That's really right. it's you and 
here in Texas. Well, I love Wyoming, you know, in terms of their laws, but you know, and I, and, I, and and listen, Senator Loomis is great, and I, you yeah. know, they 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 have some amazing people there, and they get it, right? They have good stake. Yeah, and I, they do. And and by the way, there a lot of people are moving to that state, believe it or not. But I always say, in terms of competition, because there there is some friendly competition here. You know, I always say, if we're even, we're leaving. So, you know, my goal is always be from a regulatory perspective, no worse than any other state and potentially better, right? In terms of regulation. If we do that, I don't think there's anybody that's going to pick any place versus Miami. I mean, any, you know, there's nobody right now in Abu Dhabi thinking, man, I can't wait to go to Austin. You know what I mean? There's mm. nobody in, you know, Colombia saying that. And again, it's nothing against Austin. You know, I, I respect the people of Austin and, and I've been there multiple times. But They, they want to come here. They want to come here. Yeah. They want to come here. Well, it's a beautiful city. It's incredible. Now our Basel, um, this may be the largest sale of NFTs that we've had in the history of NFTs, uh, in the history of the world, right here in Miami this mm -hmm. week. And so it's, uh, it, it, it's really a fascinating time uh, to be in Miami and it's a fascinating time to be an American if we get things right going forward. Okay, my last thing I want to finish on with you is, it can be difficult with politicians sometimes because not you, but Got it. especially in the UK, we often feel lied to or Understood. don't trust them, feel let down. I mean, yeah. I, I'm completely disengaged in UK politics now. There's no one for me to vote for. But occasionally I've met somebody, I'm like, I could vote for that type of person yourself. Right. You talk a good game, yeah. you're a Bitcoiner, you like football, yeah. you speak Spanish, you know, you're, you're, yeah, somebody, you're somebody like, I think, I could vote for that guy. But as you climb that political sure. ladder, how do you maintain that? How do you not become part of that old elite? I mean, is it something you think about? Of course. And I think uh, I, I'm lucky in a sense because I'm a, a bit of an anomaly and a bit of a unicorn in the sense that, first of all, I've been around politics my whole life. My okay. dad first ran for office when I was two years old. Uh, I did my first political commercial when I was two years old. Nice. I looked into a camera. Uh, in perfect Spanish, I said, Bota por papi, por favor, which we vote for my dad, please. Nice. Um, and, and I've been, my entire career in politics has been in a nonpartisan position. And as I talked to you about some of the successes that I've had being a uniter in a city that, uh, you know, is majority a different party than I'm from. So I think that helps. I think the generational inflection point helps. And I think, look, at the end of the day, like to your point, there are gonna be moments, I'm sure, in the debate stage, if I get ever get there or anything like that, right? See, I almost blew it a second time. You're gonna get it. <laughs> Everybody knows it, come on. It, where there are gonna be moments where I'm sure, you know, people will, they're gonna test you and they're gonna test who you're about and what you're about. And maybe somebody will try to push you into the negative or something like that. And how do you, how do you manage that? And I think you have to be willing to lose. Right, you have to be mm -hmm. willing to accept the possibility of losing. And actually, I, I would um, recommend a book if you haven't read it. Uh, it's called Breathe by Hickson Gracie. I don't know if you know Hickson no. Gracie. Um, super, super prominent uh, jujitsu family, the Gracie family. Yeah, I think I think I've heard Rogan talk about this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, actually, he was on Rogan's show. Yeah. He was on Rogan's show, and uh, he's amazing. And he talks about visualizing every possible scenario, every possible outcome, including death. Like when he would fight, right? He would he would even visualize the possibility of dying okay. and accept it. He would accept, look, I'm taking a risk because they would do what's called valetute, which is basically fight to the death, essentially. And so the idea was accept every outcome, humiliation, death, anything that can go wrong. And once you've accepted that, you're ready, right? And so I think you have to, there's a little bit of psychology and visualization that goes into anything that's massive in terms of pressure. 
and you accept the consequences and, 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 and see what happens. Well, listen, at a time of weak leadership, I think people need somebody to come forward. It's a bit different, a bit more interesting. No and like you say, younger, I mean, how old are you? I'm 44. Oh, I'm 43. There you go. <laughs> uh, no wonder where we get along. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, look, I, I, I wish you the best. I, Thanks. I, I, Ditto. I, if you run, if I, wish you, I wish you the success. Finger commas. Let me ask you one thing, if you do it, and if you get it, can I come to the White House? Amen. What kind of, what kind of color M&Ms you are? Um... I think I want the red ones. There you go. On my team, but no, I, I'll come there. I want my, you know, Portnoy. Port <laughs> oh, this is Trump. definitely gonna. Portnoy going to interview Trump. I want, I want to. I want to interview uh, President Suarez. All right. All right, man. Amen. Appreciate you. Anything you ever needed from me, use reach out. Thanks, brother. All right, man. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for listening to what Bitcoin did. If you want to get in touch, you want to reach out to me. The best thing to do is head over to my Telegram channel, or you can hit me up on my email, which is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And if you want to support the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. Okay, see you all very, very soon.